Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sinead, do you think it's like a law in Britain that they can't make a movie without like a certain number, like a certain proportion of these actors? So there's got to be like, Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth, Toby Jones, one of the dames, Judy perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, who else we got? Steve Coogan maybe. There's like a list of them. Mm-hmm. And like when you go for funding from from whatever the screen body is, it's like, okay, have you ticked your Olivia Coleman box? Hmm. Okay, well, no? <laughs> I'll get nothing here. What's going on? I was waiting. I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm waiting for you the punchline of your joke, which is a bit of humor will be nice, a bit of an appreciation. I'm just saying, you never see one without these actors. There's like a, there's like you know, ten actors who has to have to be by law in all the films. Do you reckon they have like a bingo wheel where they pull out different names and they're like, in this movie is gonna be Toby Jones. You're right. It's like okay. If you can't get Olivia Coleman, but you have Emma Thompson and Toby Jones, that equals one Olivia Coleman. That's all right. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> and they've got inspectors. You come to the film sets and they're like, okay, is Florence around? They're like looking for her. And if she's not there, oh they go find her, bring her there. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, that was funny. Apparently not everybody. Apparently not. It was funny. I was waiting for the punchline, like what you were getting at. There was no... I didn't know where we were headed. How could I participate in the joke if I didn't know where the joke was headed? Wow. Maybe you should have breached me out of the forehand. I wanted your I wanted your yes and. That's what I wanted. Well, you didn't get it. I'm not an actor anymore, so It's a no and why would you even think of doing that? That's (laughs) (laughs) this is I Only Like You and Movies. I'm here with Sine. I'm Lonnie. She's Sine. Hi. How are you, Sine? I'm okay. All right. Well, you, you've... Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> you talked up Empire of Light. You talked up the Love Letter Cinema last year when you saw this. Did I? Was I the, the one who repeatedly interrupted the other one calling it a Love Letter of Cinema? Was I? Was that, was that me who did that? Uh, from my memory, yes. Yeah, okay. And no one can go back and check the tapes, so... Right, yeah, it's not like they recorded forever or anything. No. And, you know what, Sine? You were wrong. It's not a love letter to cinema at all. I told you this. <laughs> I literally told you at the time. It's not, any, it's not though. Like, that's not the point. That kind of is, people. but not particularly. It's not, though. It's not really. Her life gets better when she goes to the movies, finally. Well, yeah, but then it ends very tragically, so I don't know if we can... Mm. Okay. Yeah. Empire Light is the movie, by the way. Yes. Sine did see this last year, rudely, without me early screening um i finally got to it and little little fun fact for everybody i was going to see after sun as per my orders from sine but it didn't work out that night and so i saw this instead i prayed for forgiveness and sine gave it to me thank you very much did i not really mm. <laughs> anyway so we're in fire light instead 
And actually, I ended up seeing it at the... I was going to see... Well, I wasn't going to see it at all, I might. <laughs> well, is, any of this relevant? is any of this relevant at all? To the point is, I saw it at Eldorado Cinemas in Tripili, and it's quite nice because it's actually a movie house. It wasn't just like in a shopping centre. That's what I'm getting at. Great. Wonderful. So that was cool. Great. I'm, I'm happy for you. Although I do want to see a film at this bloody Empire Cinema in Blackpool, where mm, we are. Doesn't look good. Margate. Sorry. That Margate. sort of place. Um, yeah, so we're in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. England. We're in a movie theatre. We are. And we're following, kind of following the crew who work behind the scenes to make the movie magic at the theatre, but kind of not. Well. Which is kind of the problem. Well, Wikipedia says it's about the power of human connection during turbulent times. Wow. Mm, I guess so. <laughs> Sam Mendes, by the way. Yes. Um, wrote and directed it, and he's a great director, um, one of our faves. And also Roger Deakins is doing the cinematography, so you're not going to go wrong there, are you? I think he was our pick for our Oscars pod we did a few weeks ago now. I wonder well, whether he you won. Could, you could pretty much just put him through for any film he's made well, ever. time of recording, we don't know who We don't know. That, so Maybe. I feel like, Sinead, we had lots of ingredients here for a great movie. Especially the actors you mentioned, Olivia Coleman, uh, Colin Firth, Toby Jones are the, the big names. Sam Mendes, it's about the love letter of cinema. It's not. Period piece. It is. It's a bit weak, though, unfortunately, uh, the story. Okay, so right? these things. So I saw this part of the British Film Festival and, and the one screening that they had previewed um, in Melbourne at the Astor Theatre, which is a single screen cinema, which makes sense why they chose that. And when I reviewed yeah. it, I tried to give a pretty spoiler-free review because I thought Lonnie might like to see it at some point. And I think I know the bits that you have the issue with. Like, I think I knew, uh, I think he'll like it, but these bits I'm not sure that he'll respond to very well. Um, mm. And shall I, I guess we're going to get into spoilers. Um, I reckon you had an issue with how the race stuff was handled. Well, yeah, it wasn't handled very well. Yes. And... It's almost like if you're not going to do it well, maybe don't, don't do it. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God. Yes. I thought, like, that it was a compelling storyline mm-hmm. about we've got a young uh, black man here who's, you know, operating in a white world. And this is during the time of a very much skinhead pro British first sort of time, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah, quite terrible and in some ways hasn't left or has come back yep. a lot of recent years. Uh, so him navigating that, and he's quite sensitive and he is very, you know, he's susceptible to their violence because, um, well, he's there mm-hmm. and he's w- w- living and working in this sort of white world. But I don't know that it, it kind of felt like they didn't quite know what to do with it after coming up with the, the concept. Yeah, I think um, the bit that I didn't really like about it is the naivety and ignorance of Olivia's character being like, what? Racism exists? Like, mm. really? <laughs> like, I, I, I get it to a certain extent. You know, she wouldn't have experienced a lot of it herself, mm. but she's still living in the world as a person. Like, she really had to be introduced to the fact that people treated black people differently. I know. It, it's a bit like that. It's like, oh, it's, it's our first black person we know, so he sort of has to be our entry yes. point into all this 
But then, like, it also isn't really a huge point because they also treat him nicely and like him. Like, yeah, I know that there's not much interpersonal conflict. Yeah, Yeah. all the all the work buddies, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, do you think it would have been stronger if one of them had responded more negatively toward him? Well, I don't know. Like, you think of this concept that you could see, like, in in the sort of I'm not going to say cliched, but the sort of general way these stories play out is that he comes in, he's the outsider, they might have some um, backwards views, but they get to know him and their, their their perception has changed. Perhaps they're sympathetic to the sort of skinhead gangs out there, but then when the gangs come to, to fight, they stand up for him. You know, that that's sort of, you know, in a very classic Hollywood way, that's maybe how it would have gone. Um, but that, I'm, I'm not saying that the film should have done that cliched sort of way, but I I think, and I, I saw this again with our, our good friend Lisa, friend of the show, mm-hmm. she had a particular issue with the relationship that um, the character Stephen, played by Michael Ward, has with Olivia Coleman. Okay. Because he comes in as a young guy, she's the older woman. Yes. And turns sexual. Okay. Pretty pretty much straight away. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? About the appropriateness of the relationship and whether... Yeah, from like a storytelling perspective, because we were talking about it, like maybe it would have been better if she was just like an older woman and they had an unlikely friendship rather than yes. going straight to being a sexual relationship. Yeah, I see that. That could have been... Yeah, that could have been nice. Maybe she just needed a friend and he needed a friend. Which they did in the end, really. Yeah, that's how they ended up. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so forgive me okay. if I forget certain sure. points. But, um, I I do I do recall thinking. On the one hand, the racial issues were sort of shoehorned in, but then also feeling like, well, I don't know if you could have said it at this time without incorporating it in some way, and for me, there's that horrifying but brilliantly shot sequence where the skinheads are all breaking into the cinema Mm. which really stuck with me as a really powerful sequence and i don't know for me that sequence sort of um not outdid the issues to do with race but for me i just thought that sequence was really well done and i was terrified for them and like what do you do where do you go what like there's nothing totally and that's the other thing it's like maybe they should be giving some credit for engaging with this issue rather than pretending that everything was fine back then yeah it's that tough thing glossing over it's that tough thing and also like um you know how much you have script consultants and how much they Mm. impact the final thing and if that's really the story that you want to tell like for me it didn't feel like that's the story that sam Mendes wanted to tell in this film for me it felt like he wanted to tell a story about these two people Mm. but then sort of had to buy obligation or felt compelled to incorporate these other layers which i'm not sure yeah really fit necessarily that it did seem like an afterthought perhaps Mm. but then so olivia's character um hillary slowly sort of revealed that she has mental illness um and that obviously leads to the heartbreaking ending where she goes into the you know they're breaking down her front door and she's going Losing sanity, really. Mm. Um, about whether that's, I don't know. Like, did could she not have just been a lonely 
woman. Like, I'm not sure the mental health stuff was really handled very well either. Yeah, did it did it go a bit far? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough one because there were bits of it that I really, really loved, um, and I thought all the acting was brilliant. And I, I just think it needed like maybe a little bit sharpening up and yeah it's kind of like she couldn't just be an old woman who was sad she had to have underlying mental health issues as the sort of reason for that yeah maybe more powerful if if they give it back a bit it's just she's kind of sad about her, her life and she just makes a new friend and that sort of make, brings her out of her shell yeah potentially maybe she could have been the one who had had actual racist views that would get challenged by a new friendship yeah, with a young black man. Really unlikable. Mm. Interesting. Speaking of unlikable characters, Colin Firth is in this as Colin Firth, a baddie. I didn't like that. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like him being mean. I want to see more of it. I'm keen. He did really well. He, I think he was. He was loving it. I know, right? Wasn't he? Because <laughs> he he's never cast as that character. I actually think he did a really great job, and I wouldn't mind seeing him as the antagonist mm. for a few other things. I thought that was a really interesting. Um, casting choice that they made there. And I thought that, so we'll, we'll get into the spoilers and stuff because you know how podcast does that. So he is um, having, to be charitable, he's having a affair with her, but also potentially you could say that he is abusing one of his staff members by well, yeah. forcing her, coercing her to yes. um, have sex with him. Um, that, that's terrible enough. And you're like, oh, he's a creepy boss. Like we all, we've all known that and he's very skeevy and, that, that's that's gross enough, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I'll say about that, first of all, is that I, I liked how it sort of made him quite pathetic. Yes. Yeah. You know, like he's not he's not like Lothario who you can't resist or or he's not even scary, really. Like he is, you know, using his power over her to make he's her do these sexual things. Yeah. yeah. But more than anything, I, I found him pathetic that he's mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying I pitied him. I was just like, I, I thought he was gross, you know? Yeah. But also, it's even worse when you when you realise that she has spent time in a mental health institution and he vouched for her to come back and work there and he said he'd look out for her. So was he doing that to persevere the the, the sexual relationship they got going on? I, I think so. so. And that's even worse, right? Yeah, he was he was holding it against her, you know, using his power so that, you know. And yeah, also the keeping her around. If you mm-hmm. tell anyone, I'll, I'll reveal your secret, you know. Yeah. Totally, and I and I think also potentially he was keeping her close because she could reveal it to um, his wife at any point. Yes, which she does in a pretty pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, he he was he was terrible, Colin Firth, and inspired casting for yeah, that. Yeah, really great casting. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so one thing I mentioned up top, I, I think I would have liked it more if we were sort of had a, the, the, the whole film about this crazy crew of people who are running the theater. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the other other staff don't get much. And they were quite interesting, the bits we saw of them. Interesting characters, right? There's that young girl who's sort of into sort of emo punk stuff. Yeah. Um, a couple of the other guys there. Again, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I remember thinking <laughs> that, though, that these guys are all really interesting and I'm, I'm intrigued about their relationship. And they're all really young as well. And Olivia's the only character that's a bit older than them and so she finds trouble mm sometimes interacting yeah. with them but they try to sort of involve her in things and totally and they're, they're quite nice actually quite lovely to her because yeah. they know she's a little bit different and they but they still really like her and want her to be part of the yeah. um show um yeah so he also one, one guy i'm thinking of in particular is sort of like the i guess the the second in charge and he's a bit of a jokester at the beginning and then sort of in the background almost his his arc is that once um, Colin Firth sort of misdeeds are revealed, he goes work somewhere else and he mm-hmm. becomes a new manager. Yeah. Um, it's Neil. And he really grows into the role and he starts yeah. actually improving things. Mm-hmm. But he's my thing, Sine. Wasn't the whole thing that we've got a ballroom upstairs, we've got a second theatre upstairs, and it's all been locked away because Colin Firth is a terrible manager. New manager comes in, they've got to open it up. I was That's how films work. The entire movie for the makeover sequence. They're having this right? big, big thing where the mayor of the town is coming. Why don't we have this big thing about getting it back to how it's supposed to be? Isn't that where we, I thought that's where we were headed? Yeah. And like, and then she can have her own theater that she will sort of looks after herself up, upstairs or something, and then she's happier. Mm. Yeah. No, it's just a sex den for her <laughs> upstairs. I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. No. I'm, I do think the film, it, it treated everyone with care and it, it did everything probably the best they all could, but I think it maybe could have been a bit deeper in parts. Yeah. Could I just read you a, a quite from a review from Matt Zola Sites from RogerEbert.com? Of course. Um, he said that Stephen's character remains an mm. abstraction for too long to the point where it looks like the film is setting him up as more of a plot device or sacrificial lamb than a man. Mm. Um when Sam Mendes presents his anger, fear, and distress with the same dissociated stare that freezes Hillary in her tracks when she sees skinheads tormenting him on the sidewalk. I think that's a fair point. It's sort of like, racism is here. And it's bad. And, and it's bad. And it's shocking. And it doesn't flinch away from that. No. But also doesn't say much more than that. It's like, okay, but what do we do about that, though? Like, do, mm. you, do you want me to feel sad about this? Do you want me to feel frustrated? Do you want me to... How, yeah. the, how the other characters feel about this. Yeah. I like that Stephen perseveres and chases his dreams. Yes. Oh, that's Isn't that a heartbreaking scene where they have that in the park, you know? Mm. That, that For me, I remember that scene being really heartbreaking where yeah. she knew she had to let him go and he knew that he had to go, but they found this really intense connection between them. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that scene was beautifully shot and acted and like Olivia we speak about her quite frequently because she's one of our favorites but 
she is just phenomenal in everything she's in. Yeah. There is never a point where I'm watching her think mm-hmm. about acting. She's always just the character. I yeah, we almost take it for granted these days, don't we? I as love her society. So yeah. As, as the world. <laughs> and you spoke um, about um, Roger Teakins. Yeah. Can we just talk about how beautiful the film is to look at? Like the beautiful mm-hmm. framing with things in the foreground and the background, you know, making beautiful shapes on the screen. The lighting is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you could take any still shot from this film and frame it as a piece of art. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah that because the obviously the the big ticket item you see in the poster in all the ads is the the firework scene. Yeah. But even just the shot of like shots of them in the theater in her house, everything is beautiful. Yeah, her house is what I was thinking of. Where just mm-hmm. just little things like that, where she's got a crack of a door open and it's pulling in this beautiful yellow orange light, but the rest of the flat's dark. Like it's just yeah, really stunning. No, nah, he's pretty good, Roger Deakins. He is. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. <laughs> uh, Toby Jones is in this today. He's always fun. I love Toby. I feel like I know Toby. I feel like I don't know. It's like an old friend. Like Toby's here, you know. <laughs> so he's the projectionist, and this is back in the days where I'm, I'm having to go at projectionist here. Watch out, everybody! But but they really there was a lot more effort to it. They had to swap over the reels during the yeah. um, during the movie, using massive um, projectors, and yeah, a really intense job. These days, they, they just press play, don't they, on a hard drive? Easy. I'm sure there's probably more to it that we don't know. There's way more to it. I'm just being silly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he as he's mentioned in our previous discussions of this film, he has a wonderful scene where he talks about how movies are actually made and it's all just mm-hmm. basically it's an illusion and it's just by happenstance that our eyes can yeah. see frames one per second for 24, se- 24 frames per second as moving. It's just a trick. Like it's, yeah. uh, and it's actually so uh, broken. Remember that, isn't that every time that you mm-hmm. you um, watch a film, it's, it's just still. photos. They're just photos yeah. that are just being put really, really fast in front of you, mm-hmm. like flipbooks. It's just a flipbook, but just on a big screen. Bizarre. It's, yeah. So his character is quite interesting. We don't see a lot of him, and he's sort of a bit of a quirky guy upstairs by himself no one else can hang out with him in, yeah, his, in his room yeah. but he takes steve under his wing which is really nice i liked that i really liked all their interactions i thought that was really beautiful but um, he's got a really heartbreaking scene where he mentions he's actually got a son yeah that he hasn't seen and he's like why don't you see him and he's like, why'd you leave he's like i can't remember yeah what'd you make of that to me i don't know i re- i really liked all those um sort of ways that the film alluded to this this band of misfit characters that all had mm. their really complex and sometimes quite troubled pasts and that they're not maybe very good people or maybe they're mm-hmm. not necessarily bad people but people who have done bad things they're all very much flawed yeah yeah and i i just really loved that i think he nails absolutely everything that he's in and that monologue was really beautifully acted and very mm. very moving so um, the interpretation of his line in particular, though, mm. I couldn't work out if he'd forgotten, couldn't remember in the sense of, like, he's he has he's that old now and he's just, his memories are foggy sort of thing, or whether oh. it's like, I had a I had a good reason at the time, 
but now I can't remember what it was That's and it looks so silly. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, but I think you could probably read into it yeah, for sort sure. of yeah. both ways. No, I, yeah, I, I took it as, yeah, one of those things that like in the heat of the moment you probably said something and there was probably a good reason mm. why, but it doesn't matter anymore. Like now that he's becoming older, he's like, I just want to see my son again really. Yeah. None of it matters in the end. Um, one thing I want to say in particular about Toby Joe's character, which mm. I thought was pretty funny, so the, throughout the whole movie, Hillary was always out there in the foyer. Mm-hmm. She never actually goes and watches the films and then yeah. he convinces her to actually go do it, which is a bit like, I get it, it's interesting, but is it believable she wouldn't go in to see this movie she works there? I don't know, whatever. She finally goes in, she's like, I'm going to watch a movie, and she finds uh, Toby Jones as he's like locked up for the night. Yes. And she's like, I want to watch a movie. And he's like... Uh, okay, I have locked up. That's I do have my own life. Um, it is like 11.30. I was going to go home, but I guess I can stay That's exactly for your personal well. journey that is coming to a climax now. Fine. That's, that's what I've been like if I was there. I've like, oh, yes. got a few of my own issues going on. I thought, you know, the time, like, <laughs> could we not have arranged this another time? Like, could you tell me, like, tomorrow and I'll come in early Wait, or tomorrow. something? Like, yeah. We can make this work, but yeah, no. Well, we, we do, you know, sort of play the movies at set times during the day. <laughs> that is kind of the key thing we're doing here. It's not a one person buys one ticket yeah. at the time they're choosing, Olivia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, pretty funny. I haven't seen Being There, but I want to. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. It's supposed to be quite good. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, I think... I think I wanted a bit more. I actually think I wouldn't mind a like a TV series set in this sort of world scenario of mm. people running a theatre in their their journeys and you could have the movies playing in the background, they're doing premieres and I know they've got issues, the popcorn machine breaks. Even like a sitcom? <laughs> it could be a sitcom, it could be a could Isn't be a drama, it could like be like superstore wise, where it's oh, just yeah. about this family that's living that's working together, you know, which obviously mm-hmm. is taking inspiration from the office and things like that. Mm. I, if there was a show that existed like that about a cinema, about the movies, right? I think my brain would implode because of how perfect that would be for me. <laughs> that sounds and, great. Oh, definitely. I, people have spoken about it too, having one set at like a Broadway theater and it's all about the ushers and the backstage staff. Mm. And you could have like Broadway stars come in as, you know, extra style and play the characters of themselves. That's interesting. Could be fun. But I, I like them all, you know, low budget. We're in a small town. We've got a playing playing movies at the cinema and how we're, how we're all to this band of misfits. Good potential for a story. Mm. Yeah, sure. But this is very well done, though. So don't, don't get me wrong. I think I wished it had a bit more, but I still liked it. Did it not grab you emotionally or was it more the fact that you wanted it to go in a different direction than it did? A bit of both. I, I did. I did feel emotions when they're going through their their journeys, mm-hmm. but I feel like the yeah the the sexual nature of their relationship. I don't, I don't think that was needed. I think it was enough that they were friends. Mm-hmm. But it was surprising. It wasn't something I expected. So that was kind of compelling. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. No, pretty well done. All right. What are you going to rate it? Look, so now I'm going to give it three stars. Three. What are you going to give it? Um, I can't remember what I gave it last time, to be honest. Mm. Um, 
I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay. All right. Well, if you love the magic of cinema and would like to write love letters to it, that's what this podcast is. And we've got many a podcast in the back catalogue. I mean, our podcast sort of is a love letter to cinema. Right. With all our trials well, and tribulations, the things that we mm-hmm. like, the things that don't work. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, in particular, we just did a wrap-up of the Oscars, um, watched most of the films, and did an actual Oscars episode and preview, so it's probably less exciting for you having watched the Oscars, but still, you could go listen to that. Just for some quick higher thoughts on some movies in particular. You could see how right we were, how wrong we were. Yes. Yes. So, sure. Those are the main things, I guess. I guess you can't be right all. <laughs> Maybe we're half right about some things, I don't know. Um, so get amongst that, follow us on Twitter, um, and also, guess what? We'll be back. Never going away. Doing this till I die. Are we? <laughs> okay. I guess we've never Are you, do, you plan to, do you plan to stop? Um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever thought about it before. Until the day I die. Okay. I will die recording a podcast. Do you want to die on the podcast? Is that what you want? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Would it, though, for everybody? As long as someone else can edit it for us. <laughs> God, this got really dark really quickly. Hmm. Alright, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Are you there? Yeah, I was just yawning. I thought you were, but then it was like <laughs> 10 seconds. So I didn't, I didn't know if you were still It was still a going. long yawn, okay. Okay, that's, that's allowed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.